Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. Open that door. The 
from his brand new release and we got Dwight on the line right now. Hey Dwight, how you doing? I'm great, Richard. It's great Good. to be here. Great to have you. Now, uh this is the first time you've been on our show and we always start things off by giving our fans the opportunity to get to know who you are, not only as an artist but as a person. And the best way to do that is through your journey, how you got to where you are today. So, give us the story of Dwight Twilly. Well, long ago. <laughs> and a uh, sorry, far I went away. Off, yeah. No, I almost went off on a tangent there for a second, but I'll, I'll, I'll spare you that. Um, you know, like so many other musicians, so many, many musicians, um, I was just a little kid. 
and there's these four guys from uh, overseas playing you know, on black and white television. And they were playing music that just, you know, uh, it was just, that was it. The second that I heard that music, I knew that that's what I had to be a part of. Well, you know, I agree with you because I remember those days, you know, because I'm, we we have to be somewhere near the same uh, age in in our mm-hmm. uh, experiences. Let's put it that way. Uh, thirty five, right? Yeah, yeah, thirty five times two. Um, <laughs> but you know, uh, every musician has that crossroad moment. You know, uh, you know. I know the Beatles when you were young kind of inspired you to go forward, but as you went f- further into your career. Um, there must have been that one moment where several possibilities were laid out in front of you and you chose the path of music to kind of pursue as a career mm-hmm. choice. What was that moment for you where you knew music was something you wanted to do for the rest of your life? Well, to, uh, the simple answer, it was that moment on Ed, the Ed Sullivan show. But then again, after I, you know, learned a little, I got so into it that I learned more and I learned more that I started realizing that this guy that I'd heard about that used to be in movies, some guy named Elvis, Mm. it actually, actually had some important business. And uh, in my later, I had an Elvis uh, renaissance in my life and, uh, I, you know, became a, a serious Elvis fan. And when you're a serious Elvis fan and a serious Beatles fan, you're pretty you're pretty okay in your music department. Oh yeah, without a doubt. That's that's great roots to start from. Now, let's talk about the new release. Um if you were to run into someone in the street that you knew and you wanted to give them that elevator pitch about this new release, to get them excited about listening to it, what would you tell them? Well, I would say that, you know, first place, the title, uh, the best of Dwight Twilley, the Tulsa years, 1999 to 2016, volume one, mind you, and that it was, um, you know, um, this this Friday, the twenty first, uh, the day before uh, Record Store Day, and um, it's a double album with twenty songs, a twelve page full color booklet, full color, not that half color. I hate that half color stuff. Yeah, and um, <laughs> and I'm a very you know I'm very proud of the selection of songs. And it's so much fun to once we started putting it together. Uh, when your artists, are, yeah, you have the opportunity to create a you know a album of forty songs. Uh, the first part one, which we're uh, is available now, is um, twenty songs because that's as many as you can get on a uh, a vinyl album, mm-hmm. double double vinyl. And, uh, but when you, when, you know, when it comes to its conclusion, when you receive, um, my friend, part two, you get 
the other 20 songs. So it'll, it'll end up in the long run being uh, 40 songs. 40 Dwight Twilley songs. Oh, my God. What's the world going to do with that? Yeah. Well, okay. Now, uh, let's talk about you as a songwriter. Of course, everything okay. starts with a good song. Every songwriter like has so. their their way of tapping into their muse and, and getting that process going. When you sit down and you look at that blank page, what is your process that gets things moving for you? I think it has to be uh, it has to be happy, right? You know, um, feel good and in the pocket right then, you know, or I don't have time for it. And so it's, and it's, and that I won't ever work at it. If I have to work at it, I'm doing something wrong. So the times when I've just sat back and said, well, I got a little idea here. Let me try this and let me work on it in a minute. And sometimes that might even mean that, you know, you're sitting around in the studio working on something else. And some of your pals are there that, you know, know my catalog and that. All of a sudden, you find yourself playing a song like Could Be Love. And it, it rolls like it's a new song. And so what do you do? You just press play. Oh, man, while you're at it, you might as well record. Might as well press record. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so that, there's a song that's created, and it's like, yeah, it was it was on an album from a long time ago. An album called Sincerely, and um, and now it's on a new album here in you know okay. in the modern day. You know that most of the dinosaurs just died off, and you know, and it sounds like a completely different you know animal. All right, now um, you know a, a lot of songwriters have embraced some of the technology today as tools in their toolkit, whether it's the cell phone or home recording studio. What are some of the tools you have found that have become indispensable to you as a writer? Well, absolutely. Um, um, my, my recording studio is, you know, and is um, essential. You know, it's a, it's a luxury in itself because nobody's bothering you. Nobody's scratching on your door. Nobody's knocking on your door telling you that they need to come in or I need to come out. Just uh, for the minute I walk in there, I'm on my own clock. And if I want to do something, I do it. And I feel good about it. Yeah, and that's a great luxury to have. Now, I've been a recording engineer since 1980. I've been doing this. And I'm always curious about um, the choices that musicians make of their equipment and their software and their DAWs. What DAW are you using right now, your digital audio workstation, you know, the software on your computer? Which one do you like to use? Well, just Pro Tools. Pro Tools? Okay. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of a Studio One guy. I like the, some of the, you know, the workflow within Studio One. It's a great software package. You like the smell of tape. Yeah. yeah, the smell of tape. I started out on tape on the splice block, and uh, I don't miss it. I'll be honest with you. I really don't. Now, um, let's talk about that moment where, uh, you know, you have to put the pen down. You have to say that the song is finished. 
And every songwriter has their way of quantifying when a song is ready to move from that writing phase into the production phase. And, you know, it always evolves. It changes in the studio. It even changes after you record it and you bring it out on the road. But you got to get to that point. What is your quantifier that allows you to determine when a song is ready to move to that next step of its life? Well, you'll probably hate this answer, but the answer to me is the song tells you that. When it's done. You know, you sit there with the song and, and, and you try to tell yourself maybe that you've got it. But the song says, oh, not really, you know, you're couple sandwiches short of a, cook, of a picnic, and, but uh, you get a feel for it that, you know, you finally realize that ah, now I've got it. I've got the potato salad. I've got everything I need, and this is a song, and I'm going to cut it now. Okay. Now, um, let's talk about going into the studio. Every artist works yeah. differently in that environment. You know, it's the, the ability to capture the sound you're looking for is an art form in itself. Um, when you, you know, power up the studio and get it ready to record your next release, what is your process that helps you capture the sounds you're, you're looking for for your, you know, for your release? Well, you know, first of all, it's just kind of handy when your wife is a great engineer. Yeah, it's good to have a, 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 Yeah, you don't want to lose that one speeds up the process and you know if there you know, what am I looking for here the question again is well, do you like to do it um, live from the floor do you like to track it um, are you kind of uh, a pandemic style recorder where you you know you have people all over the country and you sling the stems around what what's kind of your process that kind of gets you to get that cohesive sound that identifies you as an artist? It's probably uh, from day one. It's from knowing that this is its own thing. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to work at it. It's just, I don't think about it. I'm just writing a song here. Now, if I start, you know, you know, getting intellectual about it and tearing it apart and dissecting it, um, I'm never going to get there. But if I just, no worries, all I'm doing here is just writing this song. And uh, when I'm happy about it, if life is normal and real, I'm going to know it when it's time. Okay. Now, um, let's talk about... Uh Getting it out there, you're working with Krista Valenkis of uh, Elephants and Flowers Media. Tell me a little bit about that relationship. We've only known each other for five minutes. Yeah, okay. this has been a very, a very brief. <laughs> Music Head Gallery, Sunset Strip. Yeah. Met her for five minutes. Okay. So this is Very a fairly so. new new relationship for you guys with Krista. Yeah, and we never, you know, that's a kind of an interesting thing about the music and the songs. You never know what, where they're going to take you. It's like you think that you're going around showing people your songs or doing things with your songs. Trump. 
life is like a box of chocolates. Yeah, it you is. never know what you're going to get. Krista's a doll. She's a sweetheart. Well, yeah. and really, it's the songs are taking you. Right, right. They take you down this this doorway and then up the stairs, and you think you're happy upstairs, and then you suddenly the song says, "Hey, you know, get back in here. We got a little more work to do." Now, uh, let's talk a little bit about the music industry and the state of the industry today. Um, and you know, over the last twenty years, the industry has really dramatically changed. And you've been in the industry a long time, and you've seen some of the evolutions that have happened over the years but now the elephant in the room is the fact that the consumer today has embraced streaming as a way to consume music um you know and and for artists you know it's a great way to have access to a worldwide market but if you're not on these streaming services and someone looks for you you know, it's you become irrelevant really quickly, um, and you know the the monetary uh, reward from streaming is not that great. And the problem is that the consumer now no longer looks at recorded music as a product; it's now a service. How has this shift in the consumer's perception of recorded music? affected you as an artist absolutely you know yeah it doesn't and it sounds like shit yeah it doesn't sound like a happy day but in the in the long run it you know maybe you wouldn't be talking to me now otherwise you know that there's just more areas to look for music and find music and here's you know all of a sudden, there's streaming going on. There's no consequences. But suddenly, in the list, a name comes up, and the name is Dwight Woolley. And you you know, and you punch a button or two, and suddenly you're listening to Dwight Woolley, and you go, ah, you know, I might like this. Yeah, and you know, I can sympathize with the quality aspect of streaming, because as a studio engineer myself... You know, I'm sitting in my studio now, and I'm I'm looking around, and I've got tens of thousands of dollars worth of equipment, specifically, so do we. yeah, just specifically to create the every finite nuance of the sound and make it happen. Also, it can be you know squeezed down into a 320 stream, you know, that's being sent to an earbud. You know, there's nobody's moving air anymore. Nobody is, you know, is is creating that listening high fidelity experience that we grew up with. Um, we do, and and it's a little frustrating. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now, um, one of the things that I've been keeping an eye on is that there are some technologies that are happening out there that are really promising to change the way the music industry operates, especially with the independent artists. One of them is these streaming services that have been created on the blockchain, which is a technology that cryptocurrency uses to secure itself. And one of the advantages is that nobody can own these streaming services. They're owned by 
the fans who who um, subscribe to them and the artists who put their content up. And they're claiming that they can pay up to 80% of the incoming revenue back to the artists themselves. What do you think of that as a potential for the future? It, it, it sounds dreamy. <laughs> I don't know if I would, you know, buy into it at all. But, you know, yeah, it's, I like it, the thought. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, you know, if, if you don't, because if you look at, like, Spotify, the owner of Spotify, the CEO of Spotify, let's say, I mean, he's making more than the top 10 artists on his site. You know, which yeah, is okay. terrible. Uh, Billboard <laughs> magazine did an article that stated that of all the monies that are generated through the music industry, only 12% ends up back in the artist's hands, which is a terrible statistic. If that can be changed by creating this decentralized music industry where the fans and the artists are in control of the content and the revenue streams, I think that that would be a step in the right direction, you know? You wouldn't get any complaints from me. Now, there's also this other technology that I've been watching where um, you can create these non-fungible tokens that represent a small portion of your streaming royalties or your publishing royalties, whatever it may be. And one rap artist did this, and he did two songs. He made enough to cover one half of his streaming royalties on these two songs, and he sold it to his fan base. Someone made a million and made uh, $1,000. Well, yeah, he, well, he sold them to his fan base for $600,000. And now he has over 3,000 fans that have a, uh economic interest in making sure his music is streamed. It's almost like buying stock in a song, you know, yeah. where you can sell stock in a song. And these things get traded on this open market. And the uh, one of the, yeah. the great gems of this is that Talk as they're bought and sold, the artist still gets a commission on the resale value of these things forever. So it's an interesting way of structuring this new industry. Does that sound interesting to you at all? Uh, you know, it's kind of above my head. I, I'm not. I don't really structure anything. I just go to you know, I, I structure a song, right? And I and I've got my own little studio, so nobody can come in, in the studio and bark at me and tell me what to do. And how they would like my music to sound and not sound. And as Peacock said, I make noise and Dwight pays me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there if you uh, press guy was at our house, he said, can I talk to Bill Peacock the fourth, uh, sadly, who passed away? And the guy goes, can I talk to Peacock? And I went, sure, dude. So he walks up to Peacock and goes, what's it like to work with the great Dwight Twilley? And Peacock goes, I make noise. He pays me. <laughs> <laughs> you well, know, it wasn't anything like, oh, the amazing Dwight <laughs> Willie. It's just like, I, I make noise. He, he gives me dough. <laughs> oh, by the way, JT here. 
Anyway, uh, Dwighty, uh, when he gets into monetizing stuff, uh, we 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 signed with DMI and they digitized a bunch of stuff, and uh, you know once we split up with DMI Digital Music Group, Mitch Kaloris, uh, I pulled it all down. And uh, now we're slowly, uh, we're slowly putting it back up. So we just, you know, we just put out Wild Dogs. I just signed a contract with Capital or Universal to put out Jungle. But we're talking about the Devil Record today. But right. uh, Jungle will be coming out, and Wild Dogs is out. And they also re- released uh, Icono Classic Records, released Rocky Burnett's record, uh, The Son of Rock and Roll, with Tired to Toe in the Line, which is actually one of my husband's, well, Rocky's one of Dwight's best friends, but Tired of Toe in the Line, come on, give it up. That's an awesome record. Yeah. Now, you know Rockman, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. There he goes. He's a DJ. Of course he does. Okay, now, I'm, I'm out. Signing off. Okay. <laughs> now, uh, one of the things that has become really important to artists today is the Internet, social media, uh, creating content, whether it's music videos, live streams, uh, Instagram pictures, all of that. It's become part of the the mindset of marketing to your fan base and staying connected to them. What are some of the things that you guys are doing to stay connected to your fans using social media and content to kind of push the new release out to them and get them excited? Well, we just... We, uh, uh, we just shot, shot a video with yeah. Zox who did Tom Petty, Leon Russell's record, Tom Petty, and Zox flew out here and did our video for No Place Like Home, which I can send you if you want. Okay. I, all righty. Yeah, we'd love but, to uh, see it. You know, Dwight has very little interest in this. Uh, I'm pretty active on it. So, uh, you know, he's on Facebook every day. Okay. Well, you know, I, I really appreciate you guys coming on the show. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you. And uh, we're going to give everyone out there a double shot from your new release. You guys are going to love this. You may just want to turn it up loud. And you know what? Screw the uh, the neighbors. We're going to have some fun tonight. All right. There you go. And I did that because uh, we, you know, we did a gig at the uh, the newly remodeled church studio where Dwight did an art show, and they played his music so low. I was like, "Are you? This is rock and roll. Yeah, turn it up. Yeah, there you go. You know." And then I got to do a video with Zox and I'm like it's up kids go out in the big room 
I, I, I'm in charge now. <laughs> and as you are, I'm a recording engineer. But it's a Neve board. It's gorgeous. Oh, yeah. I love the uh, Neves. Google Search Studio. You'll love it.
Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. Make you shout now, honey. Gonna make. 